This episode of the Brutally Speaking Podcast is brought to you by On Point Pomade. Keep your beard and hair looking on point with their line of pomades and beard oils over at onpointpomade.com. Use our code BSP15 at checkout and get 15% off your total purchase order. So thanks again to On Point Pomade for sponsoring our show. This episode is also sponsored by the Bean Bastard Coffee. Head over to thebeanbastard.com and pick up any one of their delicious hand-roasted coffees. Coffee lovers will also enjoy their hand-cut and handmade espresso candles and soaps as well. If you're in the Buffalo, New York area, head to their store located at 448 Elmwood Avenue. And thanks again to the Bean Bastard for supporting this show. Brutally Speaking Podcast is proudly sponsored by Rockabilia.com. With over 500,000 officially licensed items in their online store, you're guaranteed to find something you need. Use our code BRUTALLY and get 10% off your total purchase order. Now on to the show. People say you have to have a lot of passion for what you're doing. This rings true because it's so hard that if you don't, any rational person would give up. It's really hard. You have to do it over a sustained period of time. So if you don't love it, and if you're not having fun doing it, you're gonna give up. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Brutally Speaking Podcast. I am your host, Chun. This episode's guest is Robert Meadows, formerly of A Life Once Lost as well as uh, such bands as Left to Vanish. And I think there's another one in there too, but I'm not entirely sure. Um, this episode this episode is wild. <laughs> um, I was linked uh, to Robert through friend of the podcast, Dewey from Pure Pleasure Podcast. And I didn't really know what to expect because... Sometimes Dewey has hooked me up with different guests and it turns into this thing where, you know, either if he knows the person personally, it'll be a text uh, chain uh, between, you know, that person, myself and Dewey. And was one of those where, you know, Bob was like all about it. We're ready to go, uh, excited. And then him and I started kind of corresponding uh, separately from the group text. And it was kind of funny because... And, and why this is important is because of how this episode ends. Um, but it was one of those where our communications were, when they were happening, they were awesome. But then they would just fall by the wayside for a long time. Um, and then it just kind of kept taking more and more time to get this this interview set up. And was one of those where, you know, we're talking and, you know, as I've said countless times, you know, I don't plan on anything for these anymore. We just have a conversation. And this thing just goes all over the place. <laughs> um, I think some of my favorite parts are, you know, we kind of get into some some really interesting shit. And then, you know, somehow it, it keeps it, it just kept kind of leaning political, uh, which is funny because I'm not super political, but somehow we would kind of venture into that territory, you know, or we would talk about something and then, you know, Bob would just be like, yeah, I, I'm getting too fired up. Let, let's change the subject. Um, and it's just one of those where I'm like, all right, I mean, cool. Um, 
but man, this was this is just a, a fun, wild conversation. Uh, I'm not going to spend too much time talking here in the intro just because of uh, how expansive this conversation is. Anyway, here's my conversation with Robert Meadows of A Life Once Lost. I'll talk to you on the other side of it. Took a shit in the back of our place, dude. Disgusting. Savage, savage fucking human beings. I mean, has this like past year and a half taught you nothing about humanity? Oh my god, don't get me started. <laughs> Start it, dude. It's fucking brutal. It's like oh. <laughs> <laughs> There he is. Apologies. No, you're good. I'm trying to find a good position here that's uh, socially acceptable. Here we go. I I got a spot. I got a spot. There you go. Right right behind the old uh, pharmacy here. I'm sure many many a tale can be told from that behind that pharmacy. Oh, my God. A lot of fucking degenerates back here. (laughs) <laughs> at one point we were those degenerates that we uh, would probably be talking about now I am I am probably most likely still that degenerate let me move my rolling rock out of the way well, that's fine I'm drinking a nice beer myself yeah yeah I know it's uh so you have to work you know what I mean like you, uh, I try I tried to stop I tried to stop to uh drink you know drinking was gonna kind of getting in the way of my life and shit and I work in a kitchen so every time I'm fucking done I'm like, fuck, I need a fucking cold beer, dude. Well, I mean, I guess like because, you know, I went back and listened to that episode you did with Dewey because I was trying to find some things that like maybe were good talking points. And then I was trying to figure out how long ago that chat was. And I looked at the date and I was like, fuck, that's that's almost two years ago to the date. Um, Within about, a, I think he well, actually, I should take that back. He dropped it in November. Potentially, he could have done that conversation with you because it was. Uh, listening to the conversation, his dad hadn't passed away yet. So at that point, that yeah. probably would have put it uh, at least a month or two before that. So yeah, we're probably right in the two-year window of when you did that conversation with Dewey, actually. I, I still remember sitting in, in my fucking car just like, uh, Dewey wasn't doing like the actual video podcast. He was just doing like regular, like uh, I could be on a phone kind of thing, you know? Yeah. And uh, it, it just, uh, that, that was that was a long time ago. He, he definitely that that was uh, I, I like him. I I don't remember ever meeting Dewey, but like the conversation was just w- was perfect. You know what I mean? Like it was it was a great interview, great interaction, and that and that's all I ever want from from these is just yeah. It's all about the interaction. It, it's 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 the fact that like uh, um, I, I was cut from a different cloth. Where I, I see things differently, and and I'm still learning. You know, I'm fucking going to be forty two and in less than a month, you know, so it's just the way it is. Well, real quickly, what's your birthday? 925. I was, so I'm a 920, 84. Ooh, there you go. So I guess, actually, I don't know shit about like astrological signs or astroglide signs or whatever those things are called, but uh, I think we're what, I know I'm a Virgo, so and I know I'm on the cusp, so I don't know if I, you... I'm a, 
guy. I'm a Libra. Okay. Possible Virgo as well. And I hold a lot of their traits. I probably hold more of their traits than I do like Libros. <laughs> That's funny. I know. So, rock. so I uh, was talking with Justin uh, Graves earlier today uh, saying that I was going to talk to you. And I was like, hey, like you got anything that would be a good launching off point? And he goes, ask him about shoe fucker. Oh, God. <laughs> And he gave me zero context as to what that is, means or represents or anything. I, I, uh, <laughs> is this where we're starting? Sure. Yep. <laughs> All right. So there was this guy from Pittsburgh. Um, I, I believe from what I remember, his name was Joe. He had a, he had a weird like disability or something like that. He worked for a, uh, transit authority company or something like that. And, uh, he just had, he had money, you know? So here's this guy and he's like, yo, let me buy your shoes. I'm like, what? He's like, I'm into fucking dudes that scream and I want to buy your shoes. And I'm like, what? Like, like I'm confused. I'm, I'm beyond confused at this point, you know? What's up, buddy? Hey, but I uh, I'm, I'm just, I'm doing a podcast right now. No, no, I'm not scared. I ain't breaking into there. Ain't nothing I want in there, dude. <laughs> Unless you got the not yet. <laughs> but uh, yeah. So I uh, th- th- this fucking dude hits me up. He's like, "Yeah, I want to buy your shoes." I'm like, I kind of weirded out. I'm like, "Okay, okay, cool, cool." Uh, he sends me X amount of money, and I send him my shoes. And this relationship continued on for like probably like three to five years. Just, just constantly like, yo, you got shoes. The last package I ever sent this guy, I, I sent him these these vans, these fucking red like palm tree vans, like limited edition vans. Uh, I sent him a bunch of pictures of me wearing the vans. I sent him like videos of me like singing in the vans. Dude lost his fucking shit. He ends up moving to fucking Philadelphia, but he was the shoe fucker, and. Uh, <laughs> There, there was the stories about uh, a dude from uh, the singer of Circle of Dead Children. I, I believe his name is also Joe. He knew him, and when we played back in the day, like that was our that was the the thing. Like I would always talk to Joe, and I'd be like, "Yo, yo, you know fucking shoe fucker?" And he's like, "I know shoe fucker," and he's like, "He bought my shoes," and I'm like, "Oh, cool!" Like he's from Pittsburgh, right? He's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." He's a fucking weird dude, but he's cool, and I'm like, "All right, all right." Um. We were on Death Wish. I asked Jake about it. Jake Bannon. He's like, yeah, this fucking weird dude wanted to buy my fucking shoes. All right, cool. Yeah, fucking sell them to him, Bob. All right, cool. I, I did. And here I am. Fucking don't have any of that money anymore. <laughs> 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 but I had I had some fucking weird dude. Yeah, shoe fucker money off- for a little bit. Yeah, offering to buy my fucking shoes. They pay my rent for like two months. You know what I mean? Like, but shit. If somebody wants to buy my sneakers, go ahead, buy my sneakers. It's fine. It's so funny. Like, you know, we live in the day and age now where, you know, in the, the, you know, with OnlyFans and stuff like that existing, it's weird sometimes, like, cause you know, like we're, we're roughly around the same age. So we, we remember things before like the internet existed and, and life just happened. And sometimes you'd hear interesting stories about people through word of mouth or, or as you kind of are like talking to Jacob and everyone about, you know, how they're getting paid by shoe fucker. And yeah. It's one of those things like I remember I was dating this girl that, you know, I'm not have, haven't dated in a very long time. 
But I remember she worked at a restaurant in East Lansing and had made the comment about some guy offered me money to pee in his shoes. And I was like, well, how much money are we talking? And she named like a number. And I was like, so when are you doing that? Because like we were broke. <laughs> and then she was like, really? And I was, what was that? Supplemental income. Yeah, right. And I was just like, fucking do it. I mean, if he's not literally going like if he just wants like if he wants to give you the shoes, you pee in them and like I'll take photos or whatever he needs to do to for him to for the transaction or whatever. Fuck it. I'll do. I'll take photos. You peeing on his fucking shoes or whatever. Like don't have to get very graphic with it. It can be like just literally like you peeing and like whatever. Like I'm not going to show like you naked or nothing, but and like it was weird and then a picture of a little stream in the shoe yeah yep and then you know whatever and i I remember like this is a a weird conversation to have but i love it because it's i love when they just go all over the fucking place so uh not piss anyway um i don't like it when pee goes everywhere um (laughs) but it was funny because uh so when I lived in Lansing and, and another friend of mine that like a childhood friend uh, was living up there, we were both working at the mall and this girl walked by and he was like, Oh man, that girl's so cute. And I was, he's like, like every day she'd come to walk to the store she worked at and he would just like fawn over her. And then like one day he said something. I was like, yeah, too bad. She likes getting shit on. And I was like, he goes, what? And I go, yeah, yeah. She likes getting shit on. And he goes, how do you know that? And I go, well, my ex, the one that I was just talking about oh, dated, curious. dated her guy the guy that the girl that was walking by, it was dating her guy. And apparently he was real big into that. And then he was like, well, maybe she does. And I was like, here's the thing. You don't date someone that long. Like they, that, that couple have been together for like at least over a year and a half. And I was like, that's not a fetish. You just are like, I'll let it put it to the side. It's cool. It's whatever. Like that's probably something that's a deal breaker almost immediately. I would imagine. Uh, that's questionable for me. Like I don't, <laughs> I I had a, <laughs> I had an opportunity to date this girl. Dated dated like an acquaintance of mine. Mm-hmm. She liked getting pissed on, mm. and she was super cute, super cute. And, and the girl that I was that I ended up dating for like you know six seven years that like fucked my head up and shit. Um, she was like, yeah, you should go out with her. You should go out with her, dude. You should go out with her. And I'm like, wait, what? Like, she likes getting peed on. Like, I'm not really into that. <laughs> and he, she's like, dude, just, just do it. Just do it. And I'm like, no, never did it. Ended up with her. And she fucked my head up. I should have. <laughs> pee chick, I'd probably be married to. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of, there, there maybe is a bigger red flag there in hindsight. If, uh. If oh that's known that she's telling you to like go hang out with her and you're like, what's fucked up with you that you're telling me to go hang out with B girl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was just, it was just one of those things. It was fucking weird. It was weird. I, I never heard anything about it. You know what I mean? I never heard about fucking like that, that fetish of getting pissed on. Yeah. Um, it struck me off guard. I'm fucking in my, my early twenties, like 21, 22. I might've just started drinking, and smoking weed then. Mm. And it just, yeah, it threw me the fuck off. Like, it was like a like a thunderbolt. Like, just was like, what the <laughs> fuck here? Like, she's telling me to go out with her. This girl likes getting peed on. And I, I just didn't do it. I was scared. I was scared. Well, it's like, and then we'll kind of tra- somehow transition from here. But, like, there was a couple of 
years after the relationship I was in with the other person and I'm living where I currently live now in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And yeah. I was dating this girl for probably about like half a year. <laughs> yeah. Grand Rapids. Is that, was that the, uh, 10 bells mm-hmm. venue? Yep. 10 bells. All right. All right. All right. I live about probably eight minutes away from where 10 bells was. It, it now is a little office complex thing. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, 10 bells. That's where I had my, uh, my first ever beef cheek taco. <laughs> they have some interesting cuisine out here. <laughs> but that's good though. But you would think that like I'm getting tacos, a beef cheek taco in 10 bells, Michigan. That's fucking however many thousand miles away from the fucking border. Right. I'm, I'm getting fucking literally the best fucking tacos I probably ever ate in my life. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so it was kind of funny. Like, I uh, pull up to my house with the girl I'm dating and then she just like stops. She's like, I have to tell you something. And then like anytime a girl tells you like, I have to tell you something like oh. some you're about to get dumped on with something. And so I was just like, I was like, all right. I was like, what you, <laughs> I go, what you do porn? You're a stripper. Like what, what do you, cause I mean, at that point I had already worked at a strip club. So like that wasn't an issue for me. And then, like I said, I already had my past of like, weird fetishy shit that I already was kind of peripherally involved in. So I was like, there's not going to be much. You're going to tell me that's going to surprise me at this point. And then she goes, well, I don't do porn per se. And I was like, okay, I'm intrigued. Go. And then she goes, so a couple of times I've done things on this fetish site where basically like my, I have a friend and I was like, it's always a friend uh, that she was like, she got me into this thing where I'm usually topless and then I beat the shit out of dudes. And I like just kind of laughed. I was like, and what's the problem with that? And she was like, well, I just wanted your girl or your wife. Uh, no, this is a girl I was dating. No, I'm... my wife, my wife has done none of these things <laughs> that I'm talking about. Um, I had to kind of go back and find like, yeah, I need a normal chick right now, dude. <laughs> uh, but it was, it was just amusing. Cause then she was like, uh, told me the site, all the kind of shit. She's like, I've only done a couple times, but just in case, like, you know, someone said something or, you know, down the road, I don't know. And I was like, whatever. She's like, well, I'm going to go to my house real quick, go grab some stuff to come stay the night with you. And then I'll be back. And I was like, okay. Yeah. So she leaves, I haul ass into the, like onto the computer and I fucking pull up the site just to kind of be like, all right, what are we really dealing with? Like how sketchy is this shit? And I look and it's like the first like trailer video on the, the opening page of the website was just this like, if I had to guess, probably like a six-two blonde, like a leggy blonde girl that was not my girlfriend, just throat kicking the shit out of some dude. It like dropped him, and I was like, "Oh, oh no, this is fucking hilarious." I am totally okay with this. <laughs> but like, it's I'm I'm not a big I'm not a big porn guy. I think porn like fucks your head up a little bit and stuff. But uh, I have watched my fair share of porn, and I think if I would have actually seen that, I would have got scared. I would got <laughs> first off. If, 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 I, if I'm like taking a chick out, you know, we're going to go out and like uh, on a date or something like that. And she's like, yeah, I'm really into fucking like throw kicking you. And I'm like, mm, I don't know if this is going to work. This might not work. See, I almost thought you were going to go down the route more of I would be I'm saying on your behalf, like that you, if you were going out to dinner or something that you would be a little bit more like, what if someone recognizes her? And then there's just the awkward like oh in, implications of that. But then I was going to put that back on you and go. Well, I mean, you were in a band that some people might see you out and about and go, hey, it's so-and-so and come up to you. So how would it really be any different? Yeah, listen, listen. I've only I've only ever had that a few times in my life. And and there, there's a mall in our area. 
and, and just the one one that pokes out my head and I had this young kid come up to me and be like, "Yo, you're the singer of a life on sauce, right? And I'm and he was with his like dad and mom. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I am. What's up, bud? He's like, dude, you guys rock, dude. Fucking love you guys. And I'm like, cool. That actually, yeah, it made my day. And I wasn't even having a bad day. It just made my day better. Yeah. You know? I went up to the parents. And just because I'm, I'm a respectful guy, you know, I, I was raised right. I, right. I was the respect. R- respect is the biggest thing in life, in human interaction. You got to respect someone, you know? So as soon as he came up to me, I'm like, oh, no shit, yeah. <clears throat> and then I, I ended up shooting shit with him for like good, like 10 minutes, him and his, him and his parents, you know, just like parents asked me weird questions. Like, why do you do this? Like, you don't have a real job. <laughs> I'm like, I got a real job. I'm a union laborer, you know, like. Well, I, I mean, I feel like that's, so it's kind of funny. Like you were just kind of making the comment, like when we first were kind of starting all this about, you know, being cut from a different cloth and, that's actually been something that has been pretty prevalent uh, for me lately. Um, So a little bit about me to kind of let you know some about me. So like I don't do a normal nine to five anymore. I do. I don't know if they have it out East, um, but it's essentially grocery shopping for people who are too fucking lazy to do it. Um, Oh, they have grocery stores that do that. Yeah. Yep. So I do that as my main gig, which allows me to have the opportunity to pick up and do whatever the fuck I want when I want. Uh, And then I work a bar, work at a bar at the door a couple of nights a week uh, just for some supplemental income. Yeah, exactly. Um, So it's one of those where I was kind of having a couple of lean weeks doing this. Like I forgot it was the holiday coming up. So it made more sense once my wife kind of was like, well, it's the holiday. People aren't going to grocery shop just to be gone for a week for the holiday. You'll probably get busy after the fact. And I was like, "Okay." And then I did. But it was a thing where I went and took a a job interview, posted my resume on a couple of different places. I come from more food and retail management. Uh, That's more of my background. And it was one of those things where, you know, someone, one of the jobs I applied for immediately sent me an email. They're like, hey, we'd love to do a phone with you. When are you available? And I was like, I got time. Whenever works best for you. They kind of strung me along like, oh, this popped up. Can we do it in like an hour? And I just essentially sat there for like, fucking half a day essentially waiting for this fucking person to to call me back or to call me in the first place then after you know kind of laying the groundwork of everything of what the company is about what i can expect you know hey if you want to come in for the in-person if you're interested in this going further let's go so do the in-person literally waste a whole fucking day essentially doing paperwork like doing a shadow of like the whole building talking to other people taking tests and all that shit and from the jump the job had been vocalized as being a salary position roughly. And it was a logistics specialist. Cause that's what also I do is uh shipping and receiving stuff. Okay. And so I go and the whole time I was like, 40 is what I want. I'm worth 40. Like I know I'm worth more, but I think legitimately I can 40, tell- no 40, 40,000 a year. Oh, okay. okay. Like I can get, I can justify you paying me 40,000 a year. That puts it at about 20, about 20 bucks an hour. So it's like, I can justify that all day long based on past experiences and what I've made at other jobs. So then they're coming back to me and it's like, well, we're going to start you off at like 1550 an hour and you'll be working like 45 hours. And I'm like, dude, go fuck yourself. And I really was just like, I really felt bad. And I was like, I countered and I was like, look, I'd be willing to take this. And I was like, it's not quite what I wanted, but it's still more than what you're going to pay me. And then I feel like I'm worth and the industry standard is starting around this anyway. 
And then they come back and they're like, well, this is an entry level position, which is not what the job title or description posted it as. And it became one of those things where I was struggling a bit with knowing how I was raised, which is you earn everything you get. You don't ask for things, you earn them. But I'm at this age where I see the transition between the the younger people coming up going, I'm not going to fucking do that unless you pay me blank because that's what I'm worth or that's what this job is worth. And if I don't set the precedence and say that this is what I, I feel I'm worth or what I should get, then you're always that, that then taking the less, the less amount is always going to be what's expected of you. And then if you bust your ass and, and work overtime and do all this shit, what happens then? Well, that's the expectation. And if you don't do that, then now it's like, well, you're not, you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. And it's like, well, yeah. what about, what about Joe Blow over here who barely does the bare minimum and skates by and you're telling me that essentially we're the same employee even though we're we're really not but like no, you're not but but here's the whole thing that's going to get kind of fishy when when it, if if this country implements a $15 minimum wage and you got to think that like i mean back in the day they they i'm drawing a blank on what this was called but as as like you know, costs rise. Cost of living. So does wage. Yep, cost of living goes up. And our living. Yeah. So you're getting paid just as much as this every time it goes up. Yep. And we stopped doing that back in like the 70s or the early 80s or something like that because yeah. they're like, this is stupid. So now you have people out here fucking making and working like three fucking jobs, like a single fucking mother and, and their husbands in fucking prison for some fucking marijuana possession bullshit. You know what I mean? Like, like, and you have this woman busting her fucking ass to fucking make money so she can pay rent, so she can buy these kids clothes, so she can buy the kids food, so she can provide. And it's the 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 the, the country is so fucking beyond fucking corrupt with, with, with when it goes to that. You know, they they want us to suck the tit, and it, it's just mind boggling. You know what I mean? Like, fuck, I, I can't even remember the last time I ever made minimum wage, and. and I mean, some of my first jobs out of high school, shit, I was a fucking bus boy when I was like 16. Um, and after that, I, 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 I took lifeguard training and I was fucking making good fucking money. You know, I'm making enough money. I was putting, it was like $9 to fill my tank of gas when I was like back in 98. Yeah. You know, it's like a 2021. It's fucking over here. It's like over 350 a gallon. It's just fucking insane. This whole, ah, this whole thing yeah. is yeah, it's uh, it, it's interesting, and I've kind of been struggling with this whole thing of like, you know, and having gone to therapy earlier this year, uh, I have thankfully like my therapist and I at the time decided that I'm, I'm good and have the tools to to work through the things that I was having issues with. But you know, I still apply some of the things that I've ta- I learned and have taken from the the therapy sessions and so forth. And you know, something I, I just kind of been wrestling with is, and maybe it's because at a previous job I had we were losing a lot of people who had been with the company for 20, 30 years and and the tribal knowledge that they possessed. And then you'd have new people coming in and they don't know how to do anything. And no one knows how to explain how that other person did all these things. Cause we just, that person was always there. And that, that that's when it comes into like, <coughs> excuse me. Yeah. <coughs> Smoking weed. Um, You're good. When, <coughs> when the person's leaving, they got to be able to explain to the new person coming in, kind of filling their shoes, and they should. That's a respect thing, correct? It is. Unfortunately, what I uh, f- far too often see I, I see it all the time. But go ahead. 
I was to say what I far, see far too often, and this is actually when I left that company, the same thing happened where I put in my two my two and a half weeks because I was like, look, I'll give you two and a half weeks. You can hire someone. And then like that last half week that I'm here before I literally go start my next job, I'll kind of be hands off and let that person go or even the week before. But like I'll have a full solid week, half a week with you guys where I will help everyone else try to get as much done as I can to make the transition as smooth as possible and allow that person replacing me to kind of have more hands-on help with a safety net of me still being there to be like, ah, no, this is how you, yeah. But the problem was the company didn't fucking hire anyone. Last I knew when I was talking to a friend of mine that was my like coworker in that department, the other person left. They didn't replace me. They didn't replace him. And they were just like up shit Creek. And it was just one of those where I was like, that's the problem though. I feel like is too often. Even when you try to do the right thing that a company will fuck you in the end because they don't care. It's about bottom line. No, no, they don't. They don't. They don't. It, it's uh, it, are you are you talking like early stages of pandemic kind of shit? Like with with, with the whole like uh, I know the entire country fucking fought with it. The fact that nobody wanted to work and and every state was and, and, and federal government was just like you know giving out money like free money and, and just not encouraging people to work. So initially, my job was one of those. I was going to say, my job was one of those working in shipping and receiving. We made parts for uh, uh, Procter & Gamble um, overseas. Okay. So we would, we would we were a conve- uh, conveyor belt making company. So we would make stuff uh, that essentially would either hold food on it, would hold uh, pharmaceutical stuff, whatever that Procter & Gamble was making. So we were deemed an essential business. Um, but it became a point where there wasn't enough work coming in because other places that were giving us material to to make or other smaller companies were now laying off their employees. They were getting COVID. And so then it turned into, uh, well, there's not enough work for everybody. So it was if you want to go on leave, but then it wasn't determined whether we would be able to come back, like how all that was going to work out. So everyone was really skeptical about leaving. And then finally I realized because our department was smart and we're like, hey, you with kids, you can take Mondays because then that way, like that's one day of daycare you don't have to pay for for your three kids. Hey, you other dude, like you can have this day off. I'll take Tuesdays. And we made it to where collectively between our department, which was already running bare minimum as it was, we figured out a way to cut about 40 out, like one full 40 hours out of our work week and not, and no one was upset about it. And then they came back to us and they're like, well, that's not enough. So then I, I saw the writing on the wall. I was like, well, then I'll volunteer to go on a furlough then for the first month or however long. And then we'll figure it out from there. Cause at least at that point, like you said, they were doing the extra $600 a month or whatever, yeah, uh, or, yeah, or a week yeah. or whatever it was. And every two weeks, 1200 a month or yeah. yeah. Mm. But, but I feel like, I, I don't know how it is in, in, in Michigan, but how it is here right now is that, like, shit, I'm a suburb of Philadelphia, so you see it, you feel it. Nobody wants to work. Places are closing down. Places are closing for, like, Mondays or Tuesdays because they just don't have enough staff. Their staff's working doubles five days a week. You, you, can't, have, you can't have a staff, short staff, working seven days a week, doubles every day, to supply you with food. Right. And, it just it, and and it sucks and it's and, and I hate it like I I think in my heart I believe that unemployment is a very good thing when it's used right and then like you you, you broke the human you broke you broke our population 
by just giving them money the way that we were giving them. Yeah. And, shit, I've been on unemployment since fucking March 11th, 2020. Yeah, I was a union laborer. Like, I make top-notch fucking unemployment, and I've been collecting it ever since. And I've been working under the table ever since. You know, like, I was smart about it. If, if people were smart about it, instead of just taking the free money, you'd, you know, go find an under-the-table job at a fucking restaurant or something or, or a kitchen somewhere or landscaping or doing something. Yeah. Just to make it work. But you, you give it these stimulus packages thinking that it's going to go back into the economy and it's just basically paying their fucking rent on some of these fucking people. Like, it, it's fucking horrible, dude. Yeah, can we go somewhere else in a conversation? Because I'm tired of fucking talking about government. Yeah. Yeah, and absolutely. Every day that I work here in this fucking kitchen, it's connected <laughs> to a bar. I got to deal with these fucking 60 year old fucking drunks that don't like fucking Biden. Well, either do I, but they don't fucking like anything, you know, and they just fucking they 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 badger me like ah, it's all fucking day in my fucking ear. I, I just can't stand it anymore. It, <laughs> it, it, it makes it makes me so fucking like uncomfortable, uneasy, like like I'm like shit, man, like. I remember when I was a kid, it was just so easy. And I remember in my 20s, it was so easy. But then again, in my 20s, I'm, I'm traveling around the world playing music and fucking screaming into a microphone, breaking microphones on my fucking forehead and shit. You know, like it, it was the good old days. Well, I feel and, like. OK, sorry. God, no, no, God. No, I was going to say, I mean, I think that's something actually that, again, something else I've been kind of talking about more. So I feel like. Like I would hold your opinion based on on some of the things we've been talking about a little bit more in a, in a higher regard because, like, I know in what limited capacity my wife and I have been traveling since we've been together. You know, like I'm we're going to Nashville in toward the end of the year, and it's her first time going to Tennessee, and it'll be like my third or fourth at different stages of my life. Yeah, but it's one of those where between I feel like I got a burp coming. There, it is. excuse me. Um, I feel like between. You know, traveling myself, seeing things firsthand, having, you know, doing this podcast where I get to talk to people who live all over the place that I feel like your view of the world isn't so narrow to only what you know in your limited in your city, your town, whatever your limited experiences, because you actually have lived a life and gone and see things that I feel like it can't help but make you more informed as to how things should or could be because you fucking have seen these things firsthand. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, sorry, didn't mean to keep it on here. I just no, was no, just gonna no, say no, that. No, you're you're good. You're good. You're good. It, it's just it, it's one of these things. It's it's like I I had an opportunity. I I first off, let me start here. I wrestled in high school. My coach was like this: set goals for yourself. What weight class were you, by the way? Uh, I started at one twelve. I finished at one forty five. Oh, see, I was I started at one twelve and went to one twenty eight. Okay, so you're you're, you're a little guy. Well, yes. not, any, but. <laughs> not anymore. <laughs> this, surprisingly, if they wanted me to pack on weight, they should have just started <laughs> giving me this. <laughs> I don't know how to do. Um, no, but uh, like wrestling, like it was always implemented in my head, dude. Like it was forced. Like set goals for yourself, and I, dude, I set these goals. I'm like, I want to be on MTV. I want to be in a magazine. I, I want to fucking go to Europe. I, I want to be on OzFest. I even said OzFest. I'm like, I fucking hate OzFest. I want to be on OzFest. I want to do all these fucking stupid things. I accomplished them and surpassed them. And and, and, and just, just, just the social experience because that was always my thing. 
my, that was always my fucking main thing was to meet people from that city, that town, that county, that state, that country, and talk. I just wanted to fucking talk. You know, it doesn't make it easy. When, when, when I toured, like, you had fucking Bush as president. So, you know, going to Germany, they're like, oh, your music, great, but what's up with Bush? And, and I sound Russian right there, I'm sorry. But it, it just, it, it drove me crazy. Like, like fuck, man, like, I, I don't know. I'm lost. I'm, I'm lost. I'm lost in it. You know what I mean? Like, I don't understand what's going on. But then again, at that age, I was too young. I didn't understand. Now, being older... And I see what's going on and it's, it's never going to change in our lifetime. It won't change. And if you have children in their lifetime, it will not change. It will continue to be like this. It will always be like this. It's always going to be a struggle for the working class, working class. All we're here to do is to fill a salary and $40,000 desks for these politicians that, that exist, you know? Like, why? They work for us. How, how, how can they make more money than us? How, how do we fund everything they do and they work for us? It's confusing. It is. You know, you have career politicians now. Career politicians. Career politicians should never, ever exist. If you want, if you want somebody to kind of the head up the fucking... Uh, like a, a laborers, like 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 like, just 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 overall like work field. Why not fucking elect a, a union official? Maybe someone that that has the experience in it. You know what I mean? So now they understand it. Like the, these people have never, they don't cut their grass. <laughs> like come on, man. Like, uh, there's one thing. As I say, if, up right now, dude. As I say, if there's one thing that I, I take a lot of pride in, and I think it goes back to just being taught to take pride in it, is actually mowing my lawn. Like it's a weird thing. Like I, I fucking hate it. Like because it gets hot here. It's been hot the last ugh, god month or so here. Like the humidity is just terrible. But it's one of those like when you mow the lawn and you're like the first one on the block, and you're like, yeah, you motherfuckers got your shit ass lawn. Mine's not. <laughs> <laughs> It's always that case. It's always that fucking case, dude. Well, and, same with like shoveling too, because I know uh, you guys get snow out there. Dude, no, no, you guys get fucking killed with snow over there. I know you get killed with snow. I'm, I'm. I, I tell people at the bar that I drink at. I'm a gypsy. Mm. I, I am predicting a very violent winter here in the Northeast. Violent. Yeah, it's one thing I don't miss. Well, I, I kind of do, like, because I'm from Delaware originally. So, like, That's I sure. remember, yeah. So, I remember, like, when I first moved here to Grand Rapids or to actually Kalamazoo is where I, my family, my dad moved us to. And it snowed. We got like six, seven inches. And, like, back home, that's like whole state shut down. You're fucking ain't going nowhere. State of emergency, basically. Okay. I woke up, yeah, I woke up and I was like, yeah, no school. And my dad's like, no, start walking. <laughs> Oh. Like talk about a culture shock of just like well, this is like state of uh, emergency. So, 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 so let me get this straight, Dad. I'm living through your shoes right now. You walk yeah. seven miles to school in snow, uphill, downhill, no shoes, no jacket. This is what I'm doing. <laughs> well, at least this was in the era of starter jackets being cool. So I at least had a nice starter jacket. Okay, what was your team? 
Uh, so I always liked Michigan and Michigan football. So I had a Michigan football. Yep, Wolverine. So I had a Michigan Wolverine starter jacket, which was, I still think it's fucking crazy. And I know like most of my dad's family lived out here. So it's not as hard as I would have thought it was as a child where I'm like, the internet didn't exist. How did they get one and then get it to the East Coast? But it's, uh, I I used to wear my mom's Washington Redskins one. And I think I had a Cowboys one because I was really big on uh, the Cowboys of the early 90s because of Deion Sanders. Uh, I I was... You know what's odd is that seventh, eighth grade, I was probably a massive Cowboys fan. I think everyone was. <laughs> I played cards, Emmett Smith, fucking the Moose. Yeah. Joe uh, Johnson, yeah. Fucking Bryant, uh, Aikman. Like it, it was everyone. And it was yeah. perfect, dude. And it took me until I was about in my 20s to be like, Cowboys are fucking lame, dude. Like, like Eagles, dude. I'm a, I'm a four for four here in Philadelphia, dude. Oh, uh, and, and what's odd is I liked the three other teams, but I just didn't like the Eagles at that point. And the Eagles at that point, they were good. Well, I mean, that's that's kind of the interesting thing, too, kind of in growing up for me. And I know I've talked about this a little bit on the podcast because, like, um, having had, uh, like, James Hart on and, and talking to uh, some of the dudes in Atreyu at this point where it's, like, you know, talking about how they were a part of this, like, Orange County – West Coast hardcore scene and, and you yeah. know metalcore and all that, and then you know they had their own spin on it, and they're you know traveling to the East Coast for the first time, where you have bands like Dead Guy and you know AF and a lot of the East Coast hardcore and the stuff kind of yeah, what comes like, like like blunt, right? Like they, they, I feel like the West Coast is always a little bit more like uh, they're trendy. I, I don't want to well trendy well, yes, but just like. A little bit more of like the facade hmm. to it. Dead guy was honest. Yeah, I was honest. Agnostic front, honest. Madball, honest. Yeah, like, there are bands that like spit like, okay, the, the, this is what we are. This is who we are. This is what we do. They were honest, honest fucking bands. Like, I I feel like I always had a hard time connecting with California bands. Like, I didn't like a whole lot of California bands. And there's a handful that I do enjoy. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that all California bands are bad, but like, like a, like a, unfortunately, like a bleeding through 18 visions. Um, uh, fuck man. Uh, fuck. Why am I drawing a blank right now? As are they dying? You know, um, bands like that, like it just never, Unfortunately, it never really like struck my interest. Adamantium, mm. like like I felt like it was just too like perfect. Mm. You know, I, I liked the rawness. Endeavor, you know, Ensign, um, fucking. Uh, I had a uh, for the love of. I had a guilty pleasure for fucking Nora. Uh, Carl Severson, Carl Severson, shout out there. Yeah, uh, but like it was just one of those things, like. Then again, I was an East Coast guy. You know what I mean? Like, like some of my first show, my my very, 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 very first show, hardcore show that I saw was Christ. Um, fucking, uh, fuck. We were just talking about the show the other day. Christ, Unsane, hmm. uh, Orange Nine Millimeter, and there was a third band on it that didn't show up. 
And that was the first show I was ever at, the first Unitarian church. My first experience, exposed to it, 16, 17 years old, 1997, that's what I'm seeing. I, 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 I went to a local record store. I, I picked up an orange 9mm CD. And I'm like, what the fuck's this? Okay, cool. Let me check it out. Not even realizing it's fucking Chaka from Burn. <laughs> but I didn't know Burn then, you know? So it's just like that thing. Like, Rage Against the Machine. Like, as soon as I heard about Inside Out, I, I listened to it. And I'm like, wow. What the fuck is this? Like, the dude was fucking, like, angry then as he was when he was making, like, fucking millions of dollars. You know what I mean? Like, like yeah. he's an angry guy. Millionaire. But he's angry. Who knows why? Well, I mean, that's like even, you know, the, the kind of point of talking about that is just, you know, they're like I said, the culture shock of just not only weather, but just music, because it's like, I know I was young, but it's like being growing up in Delaware and being, you know, an hour or so away from Philly, like having kids I went to school with who had family in Philly or in Jersey or in, you know, some might go to like Massachusetts or go to New York or whatever. Like we weren't so far away from the bigger cities where they had a music scene because I mean, Delaware, as far as I know, still does not. But I it's mean, one of I, I, I traveled to Delaware very, very early in my in my early 20s when I was still straight edge to go and see like Joshua for battle, uh, Neil Perry, the now Sasha, like all their screamo bands. Um, and then I was friends with, uh, uh, this dude, Dennis, who was in dead and buried. He was bringing us mm. down to church shows and playing like at churches and stuff. And, and that's how I became familiar with Delaware. Delaware always had a, a very strong underground scene, but never big like bands, And I, I could be wrong. Well, I was going to say, I think I think that right there is one of the first times I've ever heard of there being a scene. But that's the difference right there in age between you and me, where I came out here in like 90, 95, 96. Yeah. So I'm like 11. So it's like I can't uh, okay. go to shows and stuff like that. So the music like and that was more what I was saying is the music I was being introduced to was straight up. I'm a product of MTV, like MTV's on at my our house almost 24 seven. So here. I mean, I'm getting introduced to alternative music metal hip-hop you know r&b anything and everything plus yeah. i'm getting introduced you know being at an in, like a mixed school literally um and that was a big culture shock for me in going to school in delaware and so forth i was i would say it's a good 60 40 white black or whatever yeah, 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 yeah. i move out here and in the whole entire school district uh, i think when i moved here there were like four there was one teacher who ended up getting like quit quote unquote and then like the next day in the newspaper i saw that she was saying that like the her homeroom class and other people were racist toward her which i was in her homeroom class and i was like what the fuck i never saw anything <laughs> and then it's like we had one dude in my, my grade one in the grade above us and that was about it and it's just like the lack of diversity was shocking to me and then it's like you know i remember like i was saying you know not only getting judged literally and called names because i'm wearing you know, Washington Redskins or Philadelphia Eagles stuff. And it's not what's around in that area. Cause it's not the local team yeah. and getting made fun of. And then, you know, I'm listening to like, you know, when the Keith sweat record was first out, it's like, you know, I'm yeah. fucking bumping that I'm listening to, you know, like rap and stuff like that. And people were like, why, what do you like? What, where did all this come from? And I'm like, I don't know what you guys grew up with, but like, this is what I listen to. And it's weird because I've, I've kind of finally put my finger on it in doing this where I'm predominantly the hardcore metal guy, even though I probably know just as much about rap and R and B from the same eras is 
it must have been equally as weird for each coast and the hardcore scenes to meet each other because the differences I can spot and notice between East Coast and West Coast rap and then even the stuff of the early late 90s, early 2000s of like, you know, Atlanta, Louisiana and stuff like that. New Orleans, like their sound kind of being a mixture of their environments. It's like you can start kind of piecing together these things. And that was kind of the thing that's been interesting to kind of with some of those older people that have been in the scene so long or that early, I should say, is just, you know, like you're saying, like, I didn't really vibe with the West Coast bands. And it's like it was funny because I remember talking to James I like Tupac either, dude. But here's the funny thing. Pac is from fucking New York. I know, but he was he always identified as that West Coast rapper, <laughs> which fucked up. It, but it, it's like it's like uh, in middle school. You know what I mean? Like I, I grew up listening to more hip hop, like like Wu Tang, Method Man, Tribe Called Quest, De La Soul. You know what I mean? Uh, from there, I was introduced to, and I had a paper out, so I'd wake up early in the morning. So I heard like Green Day one day, and I'm like, oh, this is fucking sick! Like this is awesome. And then I'm up at early in the morning, Beavis and Butthead's not on, but they're playing videos, and I see Rage Against the Machine. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? And that's what basically took me on this ride was Rage and some Machine. And then that's where I like where I saw bands like fucking, you know, Alice in Chains, uh, Pearl Jam uh, in the early days, Nirvana. And I, I never really liked Nirvana, but I just liked that crusty, like that ignorant, like vibe they had. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alice in Chains. Alice in Chains was fucking for, for me, like lyrically, that was probably the closest thing I ever got to what I was doing. I was never a Pantera fan. I didn't like the heavy yet. Mm. And then this fucking dude, I'm working at uh, this laser tag place called Ultrazone. And this guy, this guy, Brian, takes me home. He's like, yo, you ever hear uh, Shelter? And I'm like, what? I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about, dude? And he puts it on. And all I hear is this Christian chant. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> and then bang, fucking sucked in. And he's like, yo, you ever hear Sam Black Church? And I'm like, no. Boom, fucking puts it on. And you ever hear Prima? No. Fucking puts it on. It's like all these bands, Orange 9 Millimeter. That's the dude who fucking showed it to me. That's when I saw a truck flyer and I'm like, oh, Orange 9's playing at the truck? I'm fucking going, dude. Let's fucking go. Um, and just like being in the middle of the crowd where it was like kids are fucking dancing, kids are moshing, kids are just feeling good. And it was just. All I could do was just stare at Chaka the whole fucking time. Like, it was just one of those things. Like, it, like I, I'm seeing this fucking beauty. Like, the, this, this fucking, like, never saw anything like it. I'm, I'm, like, 16, 17 years old. And I'm like, fuck, I want that. You know, I just wanted that. And, and I just worked my ass off to get to that point, you know, but... Like, like the West Coast bands, like, I never liked fucking uh, Tupac. I like fucking Biggie. I'm a Biggie man. If you put them up against a war, Biggie's going to kill them all fucking day. <laughs> Tupac was insightful, but Tupac I did not like. <laughs> Do you feel like that era of... I don't know if it's open-mindedness or the fact that using a rap term... Actually, I don't think the rap term actually kind of applies, but as I say, being... Having, you know people showing you that were like a little bit older and more in tune with something else. Do you feel like being introduced and having your mind blown like that? Like, you know, I have the same story of like the first time I heard, literally heard the first Slipknot record 
and was just like, yo, what the fuck is this? I could tell you where I was, what classroom I was in. Oh. Same with the same with the first time hearing the first corn record. I can tell you exactly where I was when I heard that first record. I don't feel like kids have that anymore. That no, experience no, with no, that they, connection to music. They I, maybe they do. Maybe they do. Maybe they're sitting in their friend's car. They're fucking smoking a fucking joint in the fucking the school parking lots. Their friend puts on a CD. Yeah, what's this? Okay. That could be their introduction. Or, or they put on their fucking digital fucking their phone. Um, Meshuggah. First time I ever heard Chaos Sphere. First time I ever heard Meshuggah. Uh, Colin Frangenzetto from uh, Circus Survive This Day Forward. He was the one that showed me that. Um, first time I ever heard System of a Down. I was on my way to a show with this band Kill Verona mm. and a bunch of other like emo bands. Uh, uh, fuck. I, I had, I had a list because I actually did this on my Facebook page. I was like, yo, give me, give me like a list of like bands. Like you hear a band, you can remember the exact first fucking time or it drags you back to that beautiful memory that you had. Music is one of those things that brings you back to that memory. Uh, her space holiday, um, like some weird, like, uh, explosions in the sky style band always brings me back to this fucking one girl I fucking dated and I can't listen to it anymore. <laughs> you know, like, like bands like engine down, like I can't listen to them anymore. Um, I remember the first time I ever heard Pantera was in my guitar player, Doug's who's in ecstatic, uh, trance now. Um, the uh, life on lost guitar player, the first time I ever heard Pantera and he played me Concrete Sledge. Hmm. And I'm like, yo. I'm like, this is the metal? It sounds fucking like ignorant, like hardcore, like just real beastie fucking riffs and shit like that. You know what I mean? Like it's fucking, it was beautiful. It was absolutely fucking beautiful. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's the thing that's, and like I said, I, I don't know if, I don't know if the younger generation, because and coincidentally, like I was just right before you and I started with this. So um, last week, my wife and I went to the, the Kanye listening event uh, in Chicago because it's a couple hours away. Yeah. And I have a friend that went to the first two in Atlanta. I was going to we were going to try to go to one of them or both. Um, and just it was too much money to go for the flights. And so, you know, another person in the industry and I have kind of since the first event been going back and forth with like, this is what I noticed. Did you catch this lyric? Did you what do you think the the visuals are representing and so on and so forth? And, oh, it kind of reminded me a little bit of like this era of Kanye or this this record specifically or whatever. And he just made a uh, a blog post today um, about, you know, kind of just. You know, he's like, I like people. I, there are bands I love more than Kanye, but I've literally between the six hours between the listening events, uh, spending basically a full like couple of full days with it. Like I've given in one month more time to a record than I have in a very long time with bands I even love. Yeah. Uh, and that should tell you something about at least either Kanye as a musician, Kanye as an artist, however you want to look at it. But him and I have been going back and forth like since the because, you know, I was at the listening event and then the record didn't drop. And then, you know, about a, almost a week went by. And then Sunday morning, I, I get a text as I wake up and it's like, dude, the record's out. The record's out. So my wife and I are like listening to it. And, you know, it's weird because like some people have been like, it sucks. It's too long. It's this, it's that, it's the other. And then, you know, like a lot of people have come to me and they're like, well, what do you think about it? And I'm going to go, it's too early for me to tell you how I like where this stacks up. It in. Takes in time. It takes time. It takes time. It's 27 fucking songs. It's like almost two yeah, hours. 
Yeah, Don, it's like two, 27 songs. It's like two hours. I was like, you can't you can't listen to it once and then go, okay, I know exactly everything that there is to know about this. Like today, literally, like uh, this person, James, and I were texting. He goes, so uh, the Donda chant that starts the record, I was just reading this theory that it is a heartbeat. And I go, oh, that would make so much sense because it just ends really abruptly, like almost like a heart would when it's done. Like it doesn't have a cadence of it speeds up, it slows down and then it, and it's done. And I always thought from the first time, even sitting in the stadium, like as I'm listening to it, start the show that I was watching, that I was like, it just feels like it ends very abruptly, but that's life. It, it ends fucking abruptly. There is no warning. There's usually, there's no warning. There's no anything. It just, boom, it's done. And so we've talked about that. We've talked about, you know, mortality, some of the visuals going into it. I've started wondering after three sold out, essentially selling out, football stadiums for three different listening events i go where you're not actually watching someone perform the songs live they're reacting to what's being played over could this set the bar to now where we're gonna get new experiences where someone might go i'll play my music and then i'll do like a performance art to it and now it changes the medium of what live music or whatever actually is in this capacity can it have a bigger ramification in the music industry on that level and so we've been talking about that. And it's just like, to me, and that's been the one thing that both him and I have been very adamant about talking about. It's like, regardless of how you feel, you're talking. You're talking about what this is. You're talking about the art. You're talking about the performance. You're talking about everything encapsulating the music. And it's one of those where it's like, you cannot like the person or the artist or whatever. But to me, it's like, you can't deny that the fact that culturally we're all talking about it and had been talking about it for a month is i mean he fucking hyped the shit out of that dude absolutely now i will say i was one of the few people in attendance at least in my area that was able to recognize that it was marilyn manson that was on that uh the house porch with him and i was like yo that's manson said it to my wife and then someone's like who is that i go it's marilyn manson like oh Oh, yeah we didn't know who that was (laughs) Uh, sorry about that dude (laughs) no 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 i i agree with you i agree with you it's it's any record that I, i i initially listen to i always have to like listen listen to it yeah you know like like every time a sugar record comes out people hit me up they're like oh what do you think what do you think and i'm like i i i don't know like like i haven't i haven't digested it yet like like give me time give me time and and i can give you a, a proper answer on that you know like like uh well, how much do you think that's spurned on? Sorry to cut you off. How much do you think that's spurned on, though, by this culture of first? Com- like being the first to comment on something, being the first to to be somewhere. How much do you think of it as that, though, now? I mean, it, it could be that. It could be that. It, it, it's, a, it's a different culture. Like, like shit, I, I, I'm fucking 41. I'm going to turn 42 soon. Okay? I, I work in a kitchen right now that... If you have two people in the kitchen, I'm still older than both of them combined. <laughs> type of shit. You know what I mean? Like, like it drives me crazy because I don't have anyone to talk to that's on my length. You know, like like I, I entered this kitchen as, as out of a favor for a friend of mine. And now I'm just like, fuck. Like like my, my communication skills, my mental capacity. Like no one can talk to me on my wavelength. And, and if I get into some weird fucking conversation with somebody, they're lost. They're lost. They, they have no idea what to fucking say. And, and it fucking sucks. 
You know what I mean? Like I, I, I enjoy talking to people. I enjoy conversing with people. I think that conversing makes us smarter, makes us more intelligent, makes us wittier, makes us just more well grasped around like what's actually happening in, in our lives. You know, like if, I, I, I come here and I fucking sit here and I listen to these fucking old dudes talk fucking politics all fucking day. And it's just one of the craziest things in the world is that they say, you know, these guys are bad and these guys are bad. But how am I 41 years old? And I know that fucking both guys are fucking bad. Like, like no one has that intention of ever helping us. They're only helping themselves with everything that they fucking do. It's the craziest fucking thing. I didn't like Trump. I, fucking God, I don't fucking like Biden. I don't like Trump more. <laughs> you know, I'm not a fucking Trumpster, but but I, I don't think Joey's fucking making the right decisions. Donnie's fucking off the chains. Well, I think that even kind of speaks to more like, you know, I was talking to a friend about something else in general, but I think the generalization still applies where, you know, it's funny. Actually, fuck it. I'll just say it. Cause I don't give a fuck. Um, this person's probably never going to come on the show and I don't give a fuck if they do. Uh, but you look <laughs> at like what Tommy Vext is doing with, after his split with bad wolves. And, you know, I made a comment to somebody, I go, you know, it's crazy. I go, I've said this to somebody else when they talk bad about their exes, all of them. Well, then this relationship failed and that person was crazy. And I go, you're the only fucking constant out of all these failed things. Yeah. Maybe you need to start looking at yourself and going, what needs to change with me? So this, these it's things don't her. happen. One sec. Yep. Now close them, you jerk off. <laughs> I'm sitting outside of the bar that I work at and I'm fucking doing this. Um, no, no, but the, the whole thing with like Tommy Vex, like that, that was just, I, I get what he's saying. You know what I mean? Like, like I, I don't see like, uh, I, I think that it was just the wrong time. The, what was the wrong time? Just, just, just him coming out and saying what he said. Like, it's not that. Like, I don't believe it. You know, I don't believe in that that conspiracy theory that you know Soros was the man behind all, all that shit. But like, here he come, eight months later, and I, I don't want to sound like ignorant when I say this, but like, what happened to that movement? What happened to BLM? You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't hear about her anymore. I, I don't see them anymore. Like, like they're not marching anymore. They're not fighting anymore. You know what I mean? Like, like that, that, that whole concept was to fight for their fucking culture and fight, fight for a culture that was so fucking that, that was basically like from the moment that they fucking were sold here, they, they were just shit on. But what happened to it? Like, like what happened to their voices? Like, did you think that Joey was going to get in? Uh, no. Never mind. Let's go somewhere else, please. <laughs> now, because because I'll end up saying I'll end up saying something that's my opinion that can be taken out of context on here. You know, like like uh, I'm very respectful of others' opinions. I'm very respectful of others' voices. Uh, but you know, a lot of the times when it comes down to it, a lot of people are not respectful of others' voices. Well, I think that kind of goes back to a little bit of what you were saying, though, which is sometimes people 
like you in talking to a like being literally in the middle. So like the people that are in your bar, the old people that are older than you probably feel slightly the same way you do, where it's like, why well, I can't really talk to you because you, you don't have the same frame of references as I do. Over exactly. the, and then you can't talk to the young people because they don't have the frame of reference you do. So you're stuck no. in the middle. And I feel like more oftentimes than not, a lot of us aren't even willing to start a conversation because all it's going to like those of us, I would say very much, you know, I'm very much like you. I won't engage in some conversations because it's not going to be a conversation. If I tell you something and it's my opinion or I start going, well, here's this, this and this. And you go, no, 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 no. And it's like you're not even willing to even acknowledge that there is a potential difference or a different point of view than your own. So at that point, I'm not even going to engage with you because there's just no point because you're not willing to learn or potentially learn and have an actual conversation. You're waiting me to stop talking so you can talk. It's what I see is. And just from experience, like I could be wrong, like I said, but the, the older generation I talk to, like some are willing to listen to what I have to say. And it doesn't have to do with politics. It can do with anything in life. You know what I mean? Like, like my, my stance on religion or my stance on just like making food or my stance on just how to treat people, yeah. you know, like, but a lot of the times, like when we get into like a, a, a political conversation with a, a gentleman that's a little bit older or a woman that's a little bit older, just they, they, they almost feel the need that they have to teach me. You don't have to teach me. Like I'm living, I'm living this life. I'm living the list. I'm living my life. You're living your life. We're living in the same exact fucking time. We're living in the same moment. We're breathing the same fucking air. Settle the fuck down. Yeah. Okay. You, you are not an overseer. You are not the fucking person that's going to tell me how it is. Like you're not going to change my mind. Stop trying to convert me to your fucking beliefs. Like I, I don't believe in that kind of conversation. A lot of the times you see that conversation. A lot of times you experience that conversation where people try to, they want to convert you. You know, it's, it's fucking, it's stupid. Yeah. I wonder how much of that is just growing up in an era where it was, you know, and I'll use, I'll personally use, uh, cause it's something I've kind of been coming to the conclusion of. I think it deals a lot of the people who, you know, we grew up in a, I would say a very overly, overly religious time period growing up in the, you know, the eighties and so forth. And, and it's always right and wrong. And it's like, yeah. sometimes there is a fucking middle ground, but like, I, I feel, cause I've run into this when I have converse, conversations or whatever with my dad, like where it's like, he'll be like, it, it's right or wrong. There is no middle. I'm like, well, not entirely, not, not always. And if that's how you see things, then you're never going to change. It's not. Yeah. Now it is not. Now you have to find the middle. Like, like you can't like one or the other. What? Well, why can't I like the middle? Like, why are you telling me that I can't like the middle? Why can't I ride the middle? Why can't I say some of the things that he did and some of the things that she did are right. But a lot of the things they did were wrong. That's what it's going to come down to. Like I will play a middle ground. It, it's just, it's it's not necessarily my nature to be like that middle guy, but like, fuck, man, it's just I'm me. I'm Bob. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, like that. That's a beautiful thing. <laughs> yeah, I uh, couldn't agree more. I, I think that's one of the things that is is kind of frustrating. Is you know, 
people want you to be, ride one side. The same with bands, same with music. Well, oh, if you like oh. this band, then whatever. You got to like this one. It's like, no, I don't. I can say that I love this band and this band fucking sucks. And you can say like, well, they're in the same genre. They're basically saying, cool. Well, I don't like that one. And I like this one. And that's my opinion. Exactly. And that's fine. <laughs> and you can like them and that's fine too. I don't care. Yeah. Like we both can live our lives and, and it's not the end of the fucking world. It, it, it's fair to live our lives. You know what I mean? Like it, it's that, that's what, that's what our lives should be. Yeah. We have our freedoms. You know what I mean? Like, like fuck man. Cannibal corpse isn't like a top five band for me, but if you put any other fucking death metal band that kind of remotely sounds like them, I probably won't like them. So I was doing another uh, friend of mine that was a co-host on this for a little while. Uh, he has a show called Discography Discussion, and and maybe perhaps you should go do one of those episodes with him. Uh, pick a band and just talk about their discography in chronological order. But for when I joined, it was like almost all death metal shit. And I was like, I, as a genre, I'm not really that big of a fan of this because I just hate the lack of production. And it's yeah. funny because Dewey gives me a lot of shit. He's like, everything you like is so like polished. And I was like, but look at when I grew up. I grew up in the 80s where like metal was polished like pop music was polished yes yes you're right you're right you're right and i was like so of course anything i like is going to have a sheen to it that like i'm going to gravitate toward the best the best sounding thing like it's just how i'm going to be because that's what i was kind of predisposed to early (laughs) yeah so death metal to me is just one of those where it almost prides itself on being the worst sounding recording ever yeah i mean uh I, I didn't like death metal for certain reasons. I, I, I attracted more to like grindcore and shit, you know, like I, I like the fucking noise. I like the fucking, just the fast, like the Scordance Axis, Spaz, Charles Bronson, like those kinds of bands, like that attracted me to that power, power violence, grindcore kind of thing. And, and you got bands nowadays, like fucking still doing it, like fucking Bandit from Philly and shit. Dude's fucking rip. Like, uh, uh, what the fuck is the other band I've been listening to lately? There's a band from uh, Cali called fucking uh, Spy and Zulu and uh, fucking what was that fucking other band? <sighs> I, 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 I try to listen to a lot of stuff, like especially when I'm at work in a kitchen, like and I'm making like cheesesteaks, you know, like I like weird, aggressive like things. <laughs> These kinds of bands always do it like Cannibal Corpse. OK, this is the radio bang fucking going. I like Corpse Grinder. I don't like Barnes. I think Barnes is trash. dude. He's not good. He's- Trash. Yeah. yeah, they're not good. <laughs> but but yeah, but Cannibal Corpse, uh, and he just got fucking Eric Wattan for fucking uh, from the from uh, Morbid Angel. Like mm-hmm. like, come on, man! Like this this band, this band's gonna be sick as fuck. Yeah, this is Timmy right here pulling up Trumpster. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, no, no, fucking uh, let's go elsewhere in this conversation here. Come on, um. Well, actually, I kind of wanted to talk to you a little bit about, you know, because like I said, listening to you talking with Dewey, you talk about, you know, sports, yeah, how you wrestled. And obviously we kind of touched on that. Like I wrestled as well, was active in, you know, basketball, football, track, wrestling, you yeah. know, kind of did the whole thing. But it's funny because like and I wanted to ask you this. So like I know when I was in sports in high school, I was still actively a big music fan. But most of the people I grew up with in high school didn't give a fuck about music. They were all sports people. Now, adversely, when I graduated, everyone that I became friends with was super big into music, but hated sports. So like, I've never really had like up until probably the, I would say the last like seven, eight years where I really have a good cross section of people who love both equally. Like, is that something that you experienced? 
Uh, you, you, you saw, I mean, you had, you, you had certain people that just like were, were straight music. You know, you had certain people that were music and sports. You had certain people that were sports. I was friends with everybody. So I always had that interaction with everyone. Um, you, you know, it's kind of funny. And I, I, I've been talking shit about my, one of my friends. <laughs> this fucking dude. All right. Like 10th grade, like Mohawk, fucking chain wallet, fucking punk rocker, dude. Fucking anti fucking everything, dude. Fuck sports, dude. Fascist. Yeah. Now this motherfucker's rocking. It is rocking fucking like, like weird. What's this? Oh yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I'm out. I'm out. I'm out here. Dude. <laughs> I trust you, Henry. I trust you, Henry. Um, so, uh, the fuck was I? Fuck it. You're talking about the uh, anti-establishment dude in 10th grade. Uh, Mohawk, uh, all that. Yeah. So now this dude, all of a sudden, is like the biggest fucking sports fan. Sixers are in the playoffs. He's fucking rooting for him. I'm, I'm every time he would post something, I'm like, I'm like, dude, I remember you when you were like fucking just anti everything, dude. You were just a straight punk rocker, but like a mainstream punk rocker. You were never like a fucking underground punk rocker and saying all this shit. And he's just like, dude, I changed, dude. Right then <laughs> and there, I'm like, all right, cool, that's cool. You can recognize it. Like, uh, I'm not gonna sit here. I'm done. I'm done saying anything to you. I'm done fucking talking shit. Like. It's done, you know, like, like you change and it's fine. We can all change. We're allowed to change, you know, as a human being, like, like I, I might've did something when I was younger. I'm obviously not going to repeat that same mistake. You know, the older I get, the more that I learn. And, and that's the beauty of life. Like you should be able to learn from your mistakes. You should be able to learn from choices that you made when you were younger. You know, a lot of the bands I listened to when I was younger, I still listen to them now. You know, mu music for me has always been that like fucking passion, that push, that thing. Sports, always that thing for me. I like the competitiveness. I, I, uh, I'm in a, on a couple pool teams right now. So I, I play pool, like nine ball, eight ball, 10 ball. And my competitiveness is always going to exist. Like I'm always going to want to play. I'm always going to want to get better. And that, that was the whole mentality when you played sports. You wanted to get better. You never wanted to settle with who you were. Yeah. As a musician, you never wanted to settle with who you were. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I think that's one of my one of my big. I would say probably best and worst traits is I'm still very competitive. Um, it's a, I think it's a natural male th male thing. Males are very competitive. I'm, not to say females are not as well, because I've met a lot of very competitive females in my life. But I, I feel like as a man, like and especially if you played sports, t-ball, soccer. Um, football, wrestling, like we did, basketball, track, anything, you compete. You're going head to head, and then wrestling was the was the biggest thing for me that made me competitive. Like it didn't matter who you were, it didn't matter what school you were from, it didn't matter the experience that you had. I'm going out there and I'm going to wrestle my hardest. I'm going to try to win, and it, and if I don't fucking win, so be it. You were the better man today, or the better better adolescent but it, it's always from, <laughs> like fucking like hold that competitiveness and especially within bands and that's a lot of thing that people do not talk about was the fact that bands were always super competitive yeah. with each other 
very, and, and I experienced it a few times while touring that made me question, question things. Like, I'm just like, I, I thought we were all out here doing the same fucking thing. Like we, we fucking practice, we write, we record, we put a record out and, and, and we do these things. But now, now, now it's competitive because we're touring and we're trying to make money. Even though you're taking a bigger gate of the door, like you're still trying to compete with me. Why? I'm the opening fucking band. Why are you competing with me? Why aren't we fucking like joining together to make, make everything better. Right. I feel like metal and hardcore is for as much as it being a scene that's supposed to be inclusive uh, and a bunch for, for a bunch of people who felt outcast from the rest of everything else. It's uh, it's weird that it's usually often one of the most self cannibalizing scenes too, because it's, it's sort of like you, like I was saying a little bit ago. And like you just said, it's like, everyone's in competition. Well, you like this band? Well, that band sucks. This band's better. And it's like, well, why can't we just all support our favorite what? bands? I mean, that, that's the whole idea of, of that, that music community. Like, I mean, shit, fucking metal was fucking born out of fucking punk rock and fucking like rock and all this shit. You know what I mean? Like, like, come on, man. Like, like, why, why am I competing with you? Why are we not teaming up and, can, and, and just challenging everything? Not, not, not musicians, not bands, but just challenging everything outside of it. Like, why <laughs> fucking, like, why do you have to battle me? I think the answer to that that I figured out in doing this for five years and talking to a bunch of people and talking behind the scenes, like off record and stuff, I think it's honestly labels and managers and whatever all pit you all against each other. What was that? It's the influence. Yeah. Yep. You're, you're, you're influenced by the labels. Like you said, you're influenced by the managers. You got to go out there and get it. Like, it's like, like fucking, it's like coach talk and shit. You know what I mean? Like, like why, why? It drives me nuts, dude. It drives me nuts. That was one. That was the biggest, one of the biggest turnoffs. It, it, even, even playing with guys, and some of the some of the dudes I played with, they were just so competitive towards other bands. Like, why, why, why am I have? Why do I have to be competitive? Like, like, I, why can't I leave that in high school? Why, why can't we just fucking play? Why can't we play the best show of our fucking lives? And and maybe maybe sell a couple T-shirts. Who gives a fuck? We don't sell anything. Like we just weren't good. No one liked us. It's fine. It's fine. Relax. Breathe. <sighs> okay. You know what I mean? Like it, it, we don't got to fucking be this way. And and I played with a lot of people like that. Just was a huge huge fucking turnoff of music. Huge turnoff. That's why I got out of booking shows. Like I booked shows after trying to do the band thing for a little bit. I booked shows and then basically ran into local egos and everything and seeing the underside of, you know, dealing with venues and stuff like that. And not all venues are terrible, but there's those that are out to fuck even the smallest people. And you're like, why? Like, like I remember getting shaken down basically because the venue overpaid me $300 that I paid my national like my internationally touring band most of it and then gave the openers the locals money for doing what they were supposed to do and then got told like i needed like hey you need we need that money back and it's like you literally have 18 dates sold out in a row in your main room which holds 1200 oh and you're probably going to stretch the cap but like it holds technically i think 1600 people and it's like at $40 a ticket you're and you're stressing about the $300 you overpaid me like get the fuck out of here dude so I mean that is kind of what tanked bad, my my bad. love for shit for a while. Bad mojo. Bad it mojo. is. 
Yeah. And, and it sucks because it's, it's never, it's always going to be there. You yeah. know, like, like even when I, when I booked shows, there, there was a competitiveness between agents. You know, I've had agents tell me that I can't book a band because they have them like, you know, two, three months later and stuff. And I'm just like, why? This is a fucking second tier market where I'm booking at. This isn't Philadelphia. This is fucking Doylestown. You're telling me I can't book this band. Oh, okay. You know, I, 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 I've booked shows since I was fucking 19 years old. First shows I booked were in my backyard. After that, I went to a fucking Polish army vet hall and I was booking bands that fuck saves the day in the beginning. Boy, uh, boy sets fire and shit, you know, like all these fucking bands. Thank you, John. Yeah, it was difficult. I, yeah, I'm sure it was. <laughs> Cheers. So I want to funny cause, uh, I'm going to pull up cause someone actually took a video of, cause I do, I used to, and I still kind of do, um, Oh God. New shows in my basement. Um, so I was going to ask you like one of your favorite, like just bonkers ass. This thing was like more people than there ever should have been. And who was it? And like, what, like what happened? How did the night go? Are you talking about my booking or my playing? Either or, I guess I bet both would probably actually have a, a fun, okay. uh, I did. Um, there was a venue in Philadelphia, 38th and Lancaster. What was that? Well, that that's what I'll show you in a minute. Okay, okay. Thirty uh, eighth in Lancaster, a place called the Kill Time. Okay. Uh, six or seven hundred people in a venue that probably fit two fifty three hundred. Okay. Uh, Poison the Well. Um, they just released opposite of December, and it was just bonkers. Uh, kid had a seizure. Mm. I had EMS come. Fucking police came. Fire came. And when they came, walked in, they were just like what the fuck is this? Like, didn't shut me down, didn't say anything. Um, for for me, personally, one of the craziest shows I might have ever played was... It's hard to say. There were so many good ones. I'll give you one. Uh, I, and it was a show that, I, unfortunately, I booked uh, called The Spring Fling. It was a Lamb of God. Um, all's failed. Uh, there's a lot of videos online of it, but, uh, there was in a, uh, Polish army veterans hall with the capacity of like, you know, three, 400, I had about like 1300, 1400 people in there. Um, one of the, one of the biggest shows I've ever did. Uh, it was actually a show that influenced the, um, this, uh, oh, what the fuck was it? Uh, 2005, we toured it, and I'm drawing a blank right now. Before Ozfest, what was it called? Sounds of the Underground. I was gonna say Sounds or Mayhem, one of those two. Yeah, Sounds of the Underground tour, and it kind of influenced that with just like the lineup that I had and whatnot. It was a lot of the same bands, minus a few like War, Nopeth. Um, but yeah, man, it was just overpacked, like people on top of you. Like that's what I always loved. I love the interaction of people on top of me. I remember playing shows in like Kansas city and a dude was just getting fucking stomped <laughs> in front of us. And you, you know, like being in a band, like you, you saw a fight. Usually you stopped a life once lost. We continued to play. We were the soundtrack to that beat. You know what I mean? That, that was just always our mindset. Looking back on it in, in hindsight, that obviously that was the wrong thing to do, but like you're young, like, you're, 
uh, shit, man, our, our fucking music was fucking violent. You know, we, we played violent music. Our, our Well, let's see if he comes back. Otherwise, that'll be a kind of abrupt ending to the episode. Um, let's see. I wonder if his phone died. Let's see if Robert texts me. I have a feeling his phone died, if I had to guess. Um, so potentially, for those that are possibly watching this as I'm waiting, I will go ahead and show this uh, video from my basement, literally. Um, this is the band Expire. I've had Zach on the podcast previously. I know, obviously, some things revolving around that. Uh, none of that was known at this time. Um, but this is in my basement. This is 140 paid people plus the bands. I think there was expire and two or three others, uh, two or three locals. I think actually, I think there was one other band that was not a local band. Um, and it was just fucking insane. Uh, I don't know. Let me see if I can. So like the girl that is, which I think of the dude behind this girl with the plugs and the black shirt just gets fucking smoked almost immediately upon the show starting. But I'll just kind of show you some of the, the craziness. <laughs> Turn it down a little bit. But that was a night where I legitimately had a circle pit going in my basement. Uh, as you can see, people are grabbing pieces of my ceiling tile and beating each other with it. Uh, shit was fucking wild. Let's see if I can skip forward to some crazier parts. There we go. But to me, this is essentially what hardcore music is all about. This is what being at a hardcore show is about. Tomorrow, as I'm recording this, we're going to go see Knock Loose in a venue that holds literally like 400 people. There's no barricade. Um, I assume it's going to look like this, and it's going to be fucking rad. And I'm going to feel probably the most like I belong somewhere that I have in a very long time. Uh, not saying that the Kanye show didn't make me feel like I belonged, but it was also definitely a thing where uh, it wasn't necessarily full of, you know, that, like you can't be in a stadium full of people and kind of recreate that vibe. So, um, I'm going to give, uh, Robert a couple more minutes and otherwise I'm going to shut it down for the night and go hang out with my wife. So, um, do, 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 do. Still no Robert. Yeah, I bet his phone died. Um, well, it's kind of a bummer. Um, hopefully you enjoyed this so far. Uh, maybe we'll have to have him back on and, and 
you know, kind of finish this up uh, a very abrupt way <laughs> to end the conversation. I guess I could almost treat this as my outro to the episode and just kind of uh, say that. Um, I don't really know if Robert has a uh, much social media. I know he's got a few bands that he's, he was doing. I don't know if he still is. All right, so I guess he's got a few more minutes. Phone died. I was right. Um, So I will give it a few more minutes. I'll let him call in. And I think uh, we'll wrap up the episode and, and be on the way. So that was my conversation with Robert Meadows. Again, formerly of A Life Once Lost, uh, Left to Vanish, and... Uh, full transparency. I actually tried a few different times to, to get in touch with Robert to finish this. Uh, as you heard, his phone died. Uh, and then I got a text when his phone was charging that basically was like, Hey, my phone's charging. Give me like 20 minutes. I'll hop back on if you're cool with that. So I was like, all right, cool. We're finishing this tonight. Wrong. (laughs) We did not. Um, I believe I texted him again a couple of other times uh, over the course of months, really, um, trying to set up a part two. He was like, yeah, let's finish it. I know we can, you know, make a really great episode. And I was like, yeah, for sure, dude. Or, you know, we can have that be the way it is. And then we just pick up and we do a part two and, you know, see where that one goes. Uh, Because enough time will have gone by that we honestly could do that and just kind of see what happens. And we went back and forth with it and just, it didn't happen. Hasn't happened. I'm sure it will. But like I said in the intro, uh, our conversations, our communications uh, between Robert and I have been so uh, sporadic that it is, I I have no doubt eventually it will happen uh, that we will have, we will finish this conversation and essentially not finish the one we had, but we'll start a whole new one and hopefully be able to finish that one. Um, but it is funny. Like I sent this to Dewey when we were done and, you know, I was like, do I put this out? Like, you know, it's, it's not technically done. And then he was like, I think the way the conversation went and just how all over the place it was, there's kind of no better ending to it than just the uncertainty of everything that it just, because a phone died, like that's the end of it. Um, I feel like that's the best way like that this could end. Um, so I sat on this for a while because it wasn't really, specific to anything it, it's not you know it's it very much lives in its own world um and you know i'm getting ready to go on a vacation and episodes are kind of dwindling and i'm like you know what maybe now's the time to put this out and just kind of see if maybe in a weird like kismet kind of way uh by putting this out maybe uh when i reach out to bob again uh it will allow us to kind of reconnect and we'll find some time to have another conversation and then i can follow up this episode pretty quickly maybe uh or maybe this will just stand off as the, <laughs> the only thing that we ever end up doing uh either way i'm totally fine with whatever the outcome is uh but it is this is fun uh this was a, a fun night many many months ago uh that i had and uh 
I still, it still puts a smile on my face. I think if you're listening to this, uh, you can hear that I'm still <laughs> smiling. Um, cause I, I, I just, this is why I love this medium because of how, how spontaneous it can be. Uh, and you never know if you just kind of give into it where it's going to take you. So, uh, all that said, um, the first socials, there's not much that I've been able to find for, for Robert. Um, the only thing I did find was an Instagram and that's at WSPINC, uh, on Instagram. And then it has links to, uh, some of the other bands that Robert's got going on. And I see that he posts, but this one, so it's funny. He has two different Instagram pages. This one seemingly is more of a, a cooking page. Uh, with some sporadic, uh, life stuff, like where you see him kind of recording vocals or something to that effect. And then he has another one under RDZ Meadows, which is a like painting page. And it looks like he hasn't updated that since July of two years ago, 2020. Um, so it's just one of those where it's like, he's not super active on anything and the bands really aren't either. Um, so I'm just going to keep it to this one. <laughs> uh, maybe I will reach out to him soon. And, uh, like I said, try to get another one of these going. Uh, hopefully you enjoyed this conversation either way. If you would like to keep up with this podcast, you can find us simple enough at brewspeakpod.com. That is the landing page for everything you need to know for this, uh, podcast. And if you would like to support our sponsors, uh, run down through those again real quick, rockabilia.com, use our code BRUTALLY, save 10% off your total purchase order. The Bean Bastard, go to thebeanbastard.com, pick up some delicious coffee. If you're in the Buffalo, New York area, go to their brick and mortar. It is super fun, uh, along with the great coffee. And last but not least, On Point Palmade, head on over to onpointpalmade.com, use our code BSP15, take 15% off your total purchase order. Keep your beard in here looking on points. And uh, that's it for this episode. And uh, I am going to Nashville, and I don't think I'm recording any podcasts. Um, there's been a few in the talks, and they haven't gotten back to me, and I'm packing up my stuff now. So if I don't hear anything, I'm not bringing all that gear with me. And uh, I don't know what I'm doing for next week. Uh, I'm going to be gone most of the whole week. So honestly, I may not put out an episode. Um, so stay tuned. And if I don't, then I'll talk to you all when I do put out an episode. Uh, and until then, enjoy the rest of your day, week, whatever it is when you are listening to this.